Welcome to Dispatches, the official podcast for the Journal of the American Revolution. The Journal of the American Revolution publishes weekly online at www.allthingsliberty.com. For the latest in research, reviews, and commentaries, America's Most Important History is available free of charge at the Journal of the American Revolution. Additionally, I think it made a pretty good demonstration to the population at large that uh, inoculation could work, and and to that uh, extent, uh, it paid some dividends as far as public health. That's Journal of the American Revolution contributor Richard Werther, and he'll be discussing George Washington's order to inoculate troops during the American Revolution. And he's our guest today. I'm Brady Kreitzer, and this is Dispatches. This episode of Dispatches is sponsored by the new film, Benedict Arnold, Hero Betrayed. Available for streaming on Amazon, iTunes, Vudu, and most cable TV providers. For a full listing, visit benedictarnoldherobetrayed.com. Hello ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Dispatches. I'm your host, Brady Kreitzer. Today our guest is Journal of the American Revolution contributor Richard Werther and he'll be discussing George Washington's decision to inoculate troops during the American Revolution. Sometimes history is relevant in the modern world, and sometimes it stands up and smacks you in the face, as is the case with Richard Werther's article today. Obviously, we live in a world where vaccines and vaccine mandates are in the daily news cycle all the time. And as you can tell by my voice, I'm myself a little under the weather. Don't worry, I've been tested, I'm, I'm clear, fortunately, uh, and I'm recovering. But this is an important discussion. It's always an important conversation. But it also shows that these kind of debates are nothing new. George Washington, as you hear in this interview, and if you read Richard's article, which I hope you do, at www.allthingsliberty.com, He himself wrestled with this decision, at one point being adamantly against inoculation, and then by the end of it being firmly convinced in its effectiveness. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our interview with Richard Werther. Richard Werther, welcome back. Hey, great to be back, Brady. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to speak with you today. Tell us about your background. Okay, well, uh, I'm not an academically trained historian. I'm actually a retired CTA. And uh, about five years ago, I ran across uh, the Journal uh, of the American Revolution website. Uh, I've always had an interest in writing as well as an interest in history. So this seemed the opportunity to combine the two. Um, To be honest, I I was a little hesitant about uh, writing history because of my lack of formal training. But uh, I've been able to find my way and uh, write a number of articles, and uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, my research methodologies might uh, make some professional historians cringe, but uh, they work for me. And uh, I'm refining things as I go, and uh, it's been great. What first drew your interest into this topic? Let me guess. Yeah, geez, I, I wonder if uh, I can connect this with anything going on. Um, actually, I, I pick my topics. Uh, I do a lot of reading uh, 
and I pick my topics out of there. And uh, generally, the first thing I do is run to the journal website and see if it's been written about before. Uh, more often than not, it has. Um, I was surprised to find that nobody had written uh, about this particular topic, uh, about mandatory immunization, given uh, all its parallels in current events and uh, Washington's name even coming up in some of the news stories that are out there. So uh, uh, my goal in writing this, though, was not to get into uh, the politics and the current day kind of stuff, but to stick uh, with the history. And hopefully uh, that's what we can do uh, here as well. Richard, could you talk a little bit about smallpox? Tell us really what it was. Yeah, uh, it's a viral disease. And uh, in your question, you used the right word, uh, was. Because uh, fortunately, smallpox has been uh, eradicated. I think the last recorded case was maybe around, uh, you can believe it, 1980. Uh, um, it's it's uh, held in a lab uh, now in uh, the United States and in Russia. Um, so it's not been destroyed. Um, at the time uh, of the revolution, there was obviously uh, not a lot of medical knowledge around uh, and they didn't know much about what causes smallpox. They were a long way from understanding viruses or anything like that. But they did know what it looked like. And it wasn't uh, a pleasant thing. Uh, the, the symptoms of smallpox uh, can be uh, fever, uh, headache, severe fatigue, severe back pain, vomiting. And then uh, the usual, which I won't get into too much uh, gory detail about, but the red blisters and scabs. Uh, after effects of this disease can include uh, hitting of the skin, eyebrows and eyelashes falling out, uh, scarring, and even in some cases, blindness. Uh, when you're infected with smallpox, you're contagious for a period of about 17 to 20 days and afflicted for 21 to 24 days. Um, there's an initial asymptomatic period where, where you can be contagious. Uh, and uh, that's kind of a parallel to the disease uh, that we're running up against today. Um, so in that period, you'll get uh, uh, symptoms that could be anything like fever and headaches and body aches. Uh, you don't know right away that it's smallpox. Uh, one thing about smallpox that's interesting to note is that George Washington himself survived smallpox uh, in 17. 17- Fifty-one, uh, he was left with uh, some of the characteristic pock marking on his skin, uh, which you can see in some of the portraits of him that are, are a little more accurate than some of the others. Um, there was room, there were rumors uh, that I encountered in my research that uh, the father of his country uh, was never able to have any children because of sterility brought on by smallpox. Obviously, that's never been proven, but. Uh, That theory is out there. How did smallpox affect colonial America? Well, its effect, uh, especially uh, before uh, inoculation or certainly vaccination, became uh, something that that was there. It was uh, it spread a lot of fear in the 17th and 18th centuries, in particular. Uh, One thing about this virus is it survives a long time outside its host, so it can be uh, spread very easily through bedding blankets and that kind of stuff. Uh, there was some discussion of uh, um, vi- of uh, 
warfare with uh, with viruses as well, which I'll get into uh, in a bit. But uh, in military operations, it caused uh, great difficulties logistically and trying to fuel the functioning army. Um, as with any disease <clears throat> that uh, there's not much known about, there's a lot of superstition around smallpox uh, as well, and that made it difficult. Uh... Richard, we all know about vaccination today, uh, but we're not talking about vaccination here. We're talking about inoculation. Uh, can you tell us what that means and what the difference is? What were the options available to George Washington when it came to dealing with smallpox outbreaks? Yeah, they often get used uh, interchangeably, vaccination and uh, inoculation, and they are not really the same thing. Uh, to inoculate a person, and, um, sometimes it was the person inoculating themselves or a doctor would do it. You had to make a, an incision, uh, usually in the arm or leg, and insert a thread containing live smallpox taken from a current sufferer. Um, when when you did that, the uh, the inoculated person person would usually get a milder version of the disease, and if they survived, they would have immunity against the future exposure. And uh, the the death rate uh, from inoculation was in the single digit percentages. It was much lower. It's much lower than uh, if you catch smallpox quote in the wild. Um, Vaccination came along in 1796. It was invented by an English doctor. And in vaccination, uh, they inject you with the milder form of the virus. In the case of smallpox, um, it was the cowpox uh, virus that was, uh, of course, they didn't know it was a virus, but that was injected uh, into patients. And that was uh, the smallpox vaccine that came along late in the 1700s. What were the options available to George Washington when it came to dealing with smallpox outbreaks? Right. Smallpox was a real problem uh, for them, uh, obviously, to keep an army in the field. They had uh, essentially two options, quarantining, which was the uh, option that Washington initially favored, and inoculation. Uh, how how his mind would jump from one option to the other is really, uh, as you said, uh, the main part of my story, um, <clears throat> quarantining is really something uh, we most understand and uh, are familiar with from uh, recent experience. Um, Washington had to try to keep it, the soldiers, in this case, uh, that have smallpox away from uh, the rest of his army. And he created separate quarantine hospitals to try to do that. But quarantining is a huge logistical challenge when uh, you're trying to move an army around. And uh, there's also the risk of infecting the general population uh, that the army may interact with. Uh, inoculation, which I just described, uh, was not as well understood uh, at the time, but uh, uh, started to emerge as an option uh, in Washington's mind. Today, we have a new word we use in our modern parlance of anti-vaxxers. Uh, were there anti-vaxxers or maybe anti-inoculators during the colonial period? Right, right. The uh, anti-vaxxers uh, is a present-day term. And uh, since there were no vaccines, there weren't uh, anti-vaxxers. But as you observe, there were uh, what you could call anti-inoculators, uh, 
before and even during the time of the revolution. Um, and Washington was one of those people that was against inoculation. Uh, feelings ran pretty high on that. Um, there was a 1721 epi uh, epidemic in New England uh, wh where the famous Puritan uh, minister, Cotton Mather, had his house bombed and uh, was accused of being godless for uh, supporting inoculation. And there, there were some reasons uh, to be against uh, inoculation and reasons that uh, affected uh, Washington and his army. Uh, for, for one thing, um, when you inoculated yourself, you made yourself contagious. So you risked uh, setting off an outbreak, which would be uh, essentially an outbreak of your own making. Uh, so there was a little bit of uh, hesitancy, as you can imagine, to do that. Um, it, w it wasn't risk-free, as I observed earlier. It could kill you, although the rates were uh, were much lower. Um, it wasn't totally devoid of risk. And uh, as I also observed earlier, there's a lot of superstition uh, around the process. People didn't understand it. Um, <clears throat> And, and a lot of colonies slash states uh, up up to or even during the revolution, inoculation was illegal. Uh, in the army, you had a few soldiers that were self-inoculating, but this was against Washington's rules. And this shows you uh, how much Washington was against inoculation. He issued an order that said, quote, any officer in the Continental Army who shall suffer himself to be inoculated will be cashiered and turned out of the army and have his name published in the newspapers throughout the continent as an enemy and traitor to his country, end quote. So pretty, pretty strong language there. Shows uh, where, where Washington initially stood. Um, although it's unclear, I couldn't find any cases of uh, the type of penalties that he's talking about actually ever being levied, but... Uh, but they talked a good game on this anyway. What finally changes Washington's mind? Yeah, well, there there were a number of things. Uh, and uh, I would just point out here that one of the things that made Washington a great leader was uh, uh, his willingness to change his mind uh, when presented with additional information. He was not uh, dogmatic in his thinking at all. Um, as for the inoculation decision, uh, he actually sent out a letter um, that was uh, ordering inoculation to be made mandatory, but uh, there was an alternate draft of that letter that uh, was never sent that's, that's still around, and uh, um, you can see it, and uh, it's, uh, it uses much more dodgy language, basically, and uh, throws the decision back to the medical staff. So. Washington, uh, even at the time he was making the order, had some ambivalence about this. Uh, one thing that uh, turned his mind a little bit was the strategic advantage that uh, smallpox immunity offered because the British soldiers, uh, a lot of them, most of them, had already been exposed to it. And I'm not sure if the British actually had mandatory inoculation, but it would have been on a much smaller scale because a lot of them were exposed to it at a young age. Uh, in Europe, uh, Washington had a hard time uh, keeping uh, a large force together, and he couldn't afford to uh, let uh, his forces dwindle because of smallpox. So 
warriors will not take a gamble on inoculation. Um, related to this, and I touched on this uh, earlier, smallpox could be used to to uh, wage germ warfare. During the siege of Boston, when Washington uh, first took over the army, uh, he, he accused uh, General Howe of sending soldiers into his camp that were contagious with smallpox. And there were some intelligence officers that were identifying the same thing. And I would also say that there was some precedent for the British doing this because uh, it was documented from the, the Seven Years' War that this was possibly done. So Washington didn't want to take the chance of continually being exposed to that. Um, he also uh, viewed it as something that would help recruiting and would decrease desertions, which both of which uh, were problems with with the army getting people in and them leaving when they wanted. Um, the last and really most important thing, I think, uh, was the experience. Uh, the specific experience I would point to was uh, the effort that we had to try to invade Quebec and uh, the invasion force was really heavily afflicted. I think more than 50% had, had smallpox, and uh, there were a lot of things that, that uh, affected that uh, invasion and its success or failure, but smallpox had to be, uh, if not the biggest, certainly a big one, and uh, Washington saw that. Um, one other thing I would kind of point out on the, on the lighter side, uh, one of the commenta- commenters on on my article on the JAR website uh, mentioned uh, that uh, uh, just prior to uh, Washington making his decision that his wife, Martha, uh, had a, had an inoculation that was successful, and that had a factor in changing George's mind, and uh, that could have been true uh, as well. But in the end, uh, it was a combination of all these things. Not one factor uh, really stuck out. Um, there had to be a better way, uh, given the experience that uh, he was having uh, in Boston and in the siege. And uh, in Washington's mind, that way was inoculated. Richard, in your opinion, how effective was this mandate? Well, um, you yeah, know, let me mention uh, there was one additional big risk that uh, I forgot to mention earlier, which uh, was also weighing on Washington's mind. And that was... Uh, if he went through a large-scale inoculation, um, that would uh, reduce his battle-ready force even further. And he was already hanging by a thread as far as that went. So uh, if the British were able to find out that he was inoculating on a large scale, they could come in and make pretty quick work uh, of uh, the healthy people that were left. Um, So the inoculation program had to happen with the utmost secrecy. And uh, it was done primarily in two very harsh winters, uh, 1777 in Morristown, and even if you can believe it, in 1778 in Valley Forge. Um, fighting was less likely to break out under uh, those kind of inhospitable conditions. The British, I don't think, were big on uh, winter fighting, so uh, he felt that was a good time to do it, and it was very successful in uh, getting his army and and building up the immunity. Um, He he really had had a strong uh, fighting force that was pretty immune to uh, the smallpox after uh, he got through. uh, 
got it coming in the door. So, uh, you know, nobody was slipping through without it. Uh, uh, additionally, I think it made a pretty good demonstration to the population at large that uh, inoculation could work. And, and to that uh, extent, uh, it paid some dividends as far as public health. Um, one, there was one British historian uh, quote that I think was particularly pertinent to this. Uh, uh, he said, uh, I'm quoting here, I think it is fair to claim that an intelligent and properly controlled application of the only method known for defeating the ravages of smallpox, and there he's talking about inoculation, uh, which in the years 75 through 76 threatened to ruin the American cause, was a factor of considerable importance in the eventual outcome of the War of Independence, end quote. So that basically told it all. I think it was, it was very successful. How does this article help us to understand the Revolutionary Era better? Well, a couple of things. Uh, number one, it helps you understand uh, the practical obstacles that uh, the soldiers faced that were uh, the same as what the, the general population faced. Now, smallpox didn't really make a distinction between the two. Um, so, um, and I, I think it's the case that uh, more soldiers died from disease. And when I say disease, I don't mean the smallpox, but all other diseases as well, uh, than from the efforts of, of the enemy army. Um, second thing I would say, and this is less uh, from understanding the era than understanding uh, the man, but I think it provides a great insight as to the leadership style of Washington and uh, really gives great credit to his ability to change his mind uh, when presented with new information and uh, learn along the way. I mean, it wasn't just smallpox, but this was a, a huge example. And it's one of the traits that really made Washington uh, the great man uh, that he was and the indispensable man, I guess, uh, as the saying goes. Richard Werther, thanks again. Brady, appreciate the opportunity to speak with you today. Thanks. The music played in this episode included works by Kevin McLeod and the Sturbridge Colonial Militia. Any unauthorized reproduction or use of this podcast, without the express written permission of the Journal of the American Revolution, is strictly prohibited. For everyone here at Dispatches, I'm Brady Kreitzer saying so long.